Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Limited Series Podcast from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, The Road to Recovery. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, Chief Communications Officer here at the Foundation. And over several episodes, we'll be discussing the challenges that Americans are facing from this coronavirus epidemic. Its effect on our healthcare, on our economy, and really on our daily lives. But most importantly, we're going to discuss the path forward to mitigate the damages of this epidemic and really look at ways that we can get the country back on track. TPPF has published the Recovery Agenda, a set of proposals that federal, state, and local governments should follow in order to protect the public health and safety, our economy, our families, our students. And you can find that proposal at texaspolicy.com. So that brings me to my guest. James Quintero leads the, excuse me, James Quintero is the director of the Center for Local Government here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, where he focuses extensively on state and local government issues like spending and taxes and debt, uh, public pension reform, annexation, and local regulations. He is really truly one of our great defenders of the taxpayer here in the state, fighting for transparency and accountability at all levels of government. Uh, and that perhaps makes him one of the biggest thorns in the sides of any public official who wants to grow government and spend more than they have. So, uh, uh, and you can find James uh, on Twitter at James Quintero TX. So thank you for being on, James. Well, thanks for having me. And and I promise if you find me on Twitter, you will be entertained. Uh, I, I take it to the other side um, as hard as humanly possible because I think they are so wrong. And uh, I'm not afraid to share my views, which uh, I know rankles some on the other side somewhat. So. so is that fair to say that you are one of the biggest or if not the biggest thorn in the side of, of public officials who would just rather not uh, have uh, the rest of the people know what they're doing and what they're spending money on and how they're wasting it? And you're one of the one of the bigger voices pushing against that. Well, I think so. You know, my background is in public finance. And so when I joined the foundation, uh, I had a lot to learn. Uh, but fortunately, I had some good teachers. And, uh, and and so, you know, to kind of supplement my educational background. And over the years, I came to learn all of the tricks and devious devices that local officials and state officials, to some extent, use to uh, help, quote unquote, balance their books and whatnot. And I, I like to highlight those particular areas. Um, and I like to call people on the carpet for what I think are deceptive practices. Um, and that, that that can get under the skin of some folks sometimes. Well, and it's and it's frustrating when those type of things happen in a relative time of peace and prosperity. Uh, but here we are under the cloud of an emergency, an epidemic. And so how, um, you know, your, your spidey sense has to be going off, right? Like your radar has to be going off because if, um, if public officials are already willing to do some of these uh, types of activities um, when, you know, they're, like I said, relatively peace and prosperity, you know, at a heightened sense of tension, anxiety and fear, um, you, have to, you have to be you know, as vigilant as you are, have ever been. Uh, trying to keep an eye on what's going on. Am I, is that right? Yeah, I'm alarmed. Um, as I look around the state, you know, obviously there's cause for concern. Um, we have a public health crisis on our hands. However, there's a lot of areas where I think we have um, at least suspended uh, certain very important rights. And, um, and and so as I look around, I, I'm growing increasingly concerned with the direction we're headed. 
And, and let me let me just kind of set set the stage here. So um, for those not familiar in Texas, uh, Governor Abbott hasn't yet implemented a statewide shelter in place order, which I think is the right move. I think he's doing the right thing. Uh, he's instead deferred to local officials um, because a lot of Texas counties don't actually have uh, any recorded cases of coronavirus. And so he's he's given local officials the discretion to issue emergency shelter in place orders. And a lot of your larger urban areas have. And, you know, we can debate on whether or not that, you know, they made the right move or not overall. Um, where I take particular issue, though, is in some of the uh, particulars of their order. So here's a good example. This morning, Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo issued an emergency uh, stay-at-home order uh, that was effective countywide, right? And one of the problems with what she said, and I think there are a number of problems there, uh, was, was, you know, everybody has to basically stay at home. And if you don't, we're going to fine you and you're possibly subject to as much as 180 days in jail. Right. So there's, there's a, there's a huge government stick there. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that the text of the order was still being reviewed by county attorneys. So it wasn't publicly available. The public has no opportunity to review the text to determine, you know, is it fair? Is it right? Is, or is it the right thing? We have no idea. Um, you know, likewise, in the city of Houston, uh, I believe it was last week, city council voted to extend their emergency order indefinitely, right? I think it's a huge problem when, when you put an indefinite time period on something as big as a shelter-in-place order. So, you know, you see these instances around the state. Of course, here in Austin, uh, we're just dealing with our own shelter. I'm sorry, stay at home. Uh, what was it? Stay home. No, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't even remember the name of the order, but uh, it just remain at home. Remain at home you know, it, it just came out earlier today. Uh, it's about a 15 page order. I think there's a, a lot of vagaries included in the text. One of the interesting elements included, though, it seems to exempt homeless people from some of the requirements, right? And so you have these orders, at least in Austin, treating people differently uh, depending on their circumstances. You know, and, and this is one of the things that I want to dig down on because you, you the, the headlines say shelter in place or, you know, remain at home. Uh, and and it sends this message that like almost like you have to you know be legally quarantined or they're forcing you to be quarantined in your own home and it sends and it and it sends this sort of shockwave of fear like do I have enough food am I gonna you know toilet paper of course everyone's concerned about um, but then when you read the orders. And you look at the exceptions and you look at the businesses that are considered essential or, you know, the idea that we're going to find you $180 or 180, you know, 180 days in jail and find you $1,000 if you don't follow this order. But it's okay to take the dog for a walk and it's okay to exercise outside and Target and Walmart and liquor stores are all considered to be essential services. Um, You know, then you start to look at it and you're going, well... You know, then then you, there's almost a contradiction there where they have this like heavy price for whatever. It, I mean, how do you break the law? I guess is the question. I mean, as long as you don't go get drunk on Sixth Street, basically you can do whatever you want. I mean, it's 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 very contradictory. Yeah, and, and here's one of the things. You know, I've been involved in public policy long enough to 
uh, perhaps become jaded, <laughs> but, 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 you know, cautiously cynical, cautiously cynical, like that. <laughs> so I, I've watched time and time again where government uh, introduces a particular mechanism, uh, gets their foot in the door, and then over time it becomes increasingly worse. And I think there's the potential for that same practice here. And I want to go back to the city of Houston because when they originally introduced their emergency order, shelter in place order, there was a definitive time period associated with that order. It wasn't until I believe last week where city council came back and amended that order to say, you know what, we're going to have this authority indefinitely. And you see these small changes like that across the state. And so, you know, you may be uh, in a place where the quarantine order isn't really having that much of an impact right now, but I would watch for the ratcheting down effect because I've seen it again, I've seen it time and time again, you know, once, uh, particularly at the local level, once these government officials get just a little bit of a foot in the door, the problem only gets worse from a liberty perspective. And now we want to talk about, uh, you know, the road to recovery. So we want to obviously identify these problems and these issues. But one of the, the planks that we have on our recovery agenda is to, uh, with every fiber of our being, protect individual liberties and the systematic growth of government. And, and that, I think, points, that particular piece points directly to what you're talking about right there, which is, you know, if we're going to recover, it's not just about economic recovery or health recovery. It's also about making sure that we don't end up in a situation where we're losing our rights or we're or we no longer have the same type of individual freedoms that we once had because of this ratcheting issue you're talking about during the emergency. Right. And we're such we're in such uncharted waters that I think those of us on the liberty side of the aisle need to not only be on guard, but absolutely pressing the message right now, because the other side is only going to take advantage of the current environment to advance its own big government agenda. In fact, um, you know, I, I've seen all across social media, you have these leftists online who are trying to use coronavirus as an opportunity to push things like Medicaid expansion or paid sick leave or attacking charter schools, right? They're, they're really creating an environment of fear to try and advance failed ideas. And so, again, for those of us on the liberty side of the aisle, we not only need to be on defense, but we also need to be on offense. Uh, and I think that's particularly true when it comes to economic liberty, right? We need we need to not only control the size of government, but empower the individual uh, to have the economic security to go forward and really prosper in the new environment. And so here, here's just a few ideas that we're kicking around here at the foundation. So, um, and again, none of these have been vetted by senior staff. So, you know, take, take them as James Quintero ideas, things I'd like to see, but, you know, maybe haven't necessarily made it through the process yet. One is, I think we ought to set that uh, reduced rollback, uh, the, the rollback rate that was reduced to three and a half percent during the last session. Let's get more aggressive. Let's set it to zero percent. If a local government wants to raise your property taxes in today's environment, they by any amount, mm -hmm. they ought to have voter approval because people are hurting out there. A lot of businesses are starting to close and people are really starting to struggle putting food on the table. Um, another idea, we need to figure out how to stretch our current dollars, right? So I think cities and counties need to take a, a page from school districts who were just subjected to this 
and and be required to undergo an efficiency audit. And so what I mean by an efficiency audit is these cities and counties ought to open up their books to a third party and let a third party independent auditor figure out, are you spending money on the on the right things in the right way or can we do things better? Right. And in that way, we can really, I think, control the growth of government spending and also protect the taxpayer. Uh, That's a good good segue into what I was going to ask about the the federal government. It looks like they are just going to try and spend their way out of all of this, whether it's fiscal stimulus and cutting checks to millions of Americans, regardless of need. Um, And, you know, and and it keeps going up from a trillion to two trillion by next week. Who knows where it's going to be? Um, but we've called for, as you mentioned, a couple of items already, but we've really called for practicing fiscal prudence here um, uh, and specifically enforcing new taxpayer protections on, on property taxes, as you've already mentioned, but also something like um, preventing local governments from issuing new debt as well. Why is, is, is the fiscal prudence path uh, something that will, will achieve long-term or longer-term economic recovery than, say, the wild bonanza that's going on in DC right now and you know who who can we how much can we spend and how fast can we get it out I look at Washington DC and I'm absolutely flabbergasted I I, I don't I I've become less and less certain about our long-term prospects only because of DC here in the state I, I think we're still headed in the right direction you know we certainly we certainly have room for improvement but overall I think Texas is doing a really good job holding the line now why does that matter? Well, the more control over the growth of government we can assert, the more opportunity that the individual has, right? So um, as gro- uh, another way to put that is as government grows, liberty shrinks. And so we want to uh, empower the individual to succeed in whatever environment that occurs tomorrow. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't know what tomorrow looks like. It's, it, again, it's such uncharted territory for us. But but fortunately, I, I think we have a lot of really good ideas here at the foundation that can help um, foster that economic environment where businesses prosper and families thrive. And you've seen uh, in the recent weeks, both at the federal, state, and local levels, uh, rolling back regulations, rolling back rules, and 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 they've done it all in the name of improving public safety and public health, um, which of course you know you have to ask the question at that point: Why were they there in the first place? That's a great question. <laughs> so, <laughs> or or the or the sort of cra- the the crazy idea that after we get through this this epidemic or all the crisis, that they're going to put back in place. The things that were preventing us from, you know, expediting public health and safety or making sure that the that, you know, jobs can be created or that consumers can have more choice and more control. We're going to we're going to put all those regulations back in place to hinder those choices and those freedoms. Um, uh, You know, it's going to be tough for them to make that case after this is over. You would think. Uh, so, With a straight face. <laughs> well, here's part of the problem, right? I, I think most of us recognize that um, making it easier on businesses by cutting the red tape is a good thing. But the unfortunate part is you have, have a lot of special interests at the Texas Capitol who are advancing a big government j- agenda. And oftentimes it's done using your dollars, right? We have these things called taxpayer-funded lobbyists who are usually, you know, funded by cities, counties, and school districts, and they'll go out there and argue for big government ideas. And so, 
you know, I, I think that's an element that needs to be addressed in the next session. Am I optimistic that it will be? Uh, not really. I think we have a, a lot of other really big agenda items that are probably going to suck up the oxygen. I'm, you know, I'm hopeful. But one of the things that, that we hope to achieve, you know, even recognizing the uphill charge that it is, is to end this practice of taxpayer funded lobbying. And I think once you get these publicly funded lobbyists out of the way, Cutting and maintaining an environment of low and limited government regulation becomes a lot easier. So it's just absurd, I think, on its face that we have high-priced lobbyists that are funded with our taxpayer money. Um, you know, everybody knows the stories of the bridges to nowhere or the water parks, you know, the, the, all this wasteful spending um, that gets that gets done. And you get these stories and, and people get, you know, people get upset. Um, but but the idea that that our tax money will be going to people who then lobby against our interests as taxpayers strikes me not just as wasteful like those other, you know, uh, items, but something that is that is that is, you know, infuriating. And so, uh, you know, it's not just that, that, you know, the money is going for that purpose. It's that they actually hurt our interest in the long term because they obviously lobby for things like tax increases and more spending and more debt because um, that's what cities generally tend to, to uh, tend to want from the state. Yeah. And here's the big challenge that conservatives are going to face because I've seen it time and time again at the Capitol. You know, you could walk into a committee hearing and the room is filled with these taxpayer funded lobbyists who, you know, like you mentioned, argue for either tax increases, more government regulation or increased debt. Right. The challenge that I think we're going to face as a movement is that same uh, set of circumstances is going to exist in Texas Capitol next time. But it, the, the cities and the counties in particular are going to use the coronavirus cr uh, crisis as their rallying cry for all of those various uh, items. Right. And so, you know, we're, and that makes you nervous. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so what does um, you know, we got a couple minutes left. What does in your mind, if you know, TPPF, you are going to continue to push uh, to make sure that you know these proposals um, are enacted. To make sure that you know we're keeping an eye on on cities and states, uh, the city and the states. Um, make sure that they uh, don't go too far and and um, be, you know hiding their activities and things like that. Um, so let's say that all that happens. What does recovery look like for us on the other end of this? That's a great question. So some of the things I want to investigate kind of over the interim, and thanks to our local governments, I have that uh, time and flexibility now. Um, <laughs> I, I want to look at the orders that have been put forward because I think we can do a much better job being transparent, right? So, you know, if a local government is going to issue an order of this magnitude, you know, we ought to, as a state, we ought to require that they put it online, uh, right? Have it go through the review process, whatever exists at, at the local government level, and then have them put it online as they're announcing the order so that the public can follow along and understand exactly what requirements are being put upon it, especially when they are so onerous as they are, right? Another thing that I've seen and that I really want to get a handle on is having our local governments do a better job defining their terms, right? There's a lot of vagaries included in the texts all across the state, you know. Um, that I think are really open to interpretation. And of course, it's probably, you know, put together by a lot of lawyers. And uh, I'm sure that's the reason why. But, you know, if you're going to issue an order like this, it ought to be very specific and tailored to the uh, the region that it applies. 
And one other thing that, that I think is merits investigation is, um, you know, going back to the city of Houston's emergency order, um, it's been extended indefinitely. I don't like that. I think that is something that ought not be allowed. Um, there ought to be a definitive time period when people um, have an opportunity to get back to work. To, to, to put somebody completely up in the air for an unknown time period is wrong. If for no other reason, it allows people to reassess the order, or at least, you know, have we have we progressed? Are we at a position now where we can make a different decision? And fine, if the answer is we're going to continue to go forward, but it forces people to have that conversation first. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and also, let's not forget that we have uh, constitutional rights provided through the U.S. Constitution and the Texas Constitution alike that need to be observed. And so, you know, to, to put upon people an order of this magnitude, there needs to be a, a definitive time period um, where you have a start and end date. Um, and so th those are just some of the things that, you know, as we look across the landscape and, and witness a lot of these shelter-in-place in orders come about, um, I think there is room for improvement at the local level. Um, and, and I look forward to, to working on these things because, uh, again, I think it's going to take up uh, – quite a bit of the legislature's time next session. Well, great. That's a good message for our audience. Um, that, that'll conclude this time, uh, or at least this episode, our time for this episode. Uh, again, I'm Brian Phillips. Thank you, James, for, for being with us here today. Um, for the Texas Public Policy's limited podcast series, The Road to Recovery. For access to the full series, you can find us on iTunes. And for more information on this and all the other critical issues that are facing you and your family and our schools and our state, our nation, please go to texaspolicy.com. Thank you for listening.